stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Are you there? Yeah, okay. I've been visiting with my brothers. <laughs> and uh, we just have a little studio here. And now and then I forget to turn the microphone on. Okay. Okay. Um, after Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal were slaughtered by the hand of Elijah. Things began to turn and change. If you go into chapter 18, verse 41, Elijah announces rain, and a powerful rain fell upon the land. And Elijah then moves by the words of Jezebel, and he runs to Horeb. And of course, God calls Elijah to announce the new prophet called Elisha. And Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, announces that invasion. And so, let's begin with, uh, with chapter 20. I'm sorry, chapter 20, uh, verse 13. 1 Kings, chapter 20, verse 13. And behold, there came a prophet. It doesn't give a name. But what this prophet said to Ahab was simply this. I will deliver it unto your hands this day. Have you seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it, the invading army, into the hands of Ahab. And so, the battle is done. If you go to verse uh, 14, and of course, the question here on this point of this Bible study about Elijah is, why would God favor a king that was double-minded, totally related to Jezebel, a servant of Baal? Why would God deliver Bless a king that had hands tight with his wife Jezebel, which was a worshiper of Baal, the one that desired to kill Elijah. And the answer is, God will accomplish His purpose in ways we do not understand. James chapter 4, verse, verse 12, explains this. Read, read, read James chapter 4, verse 12. Well, let's go look for it. Take a look at James chapter 4, uh, verse 12. Amen? Can you find that? Uh, uh, 
James chapter 5, verse 12. And what simply the verse says is that God accomplishes His purpose according to His will, even to the unbeliever. Even when the unbeliever is actually in control of the situation, God uses the unbeliever in order to fulfill His purpose. So we have to be very careful not to condemn, harass those who don't see things in the perspective that you see. Amen? Can you read that verse? James 4.12. James 4.12. All right. Yeah, who are you to judge your neighbor? Meaning, why would you put up judgment on Ahab when in fact God is using him to fulfill the purposes of his perfect will? So you have to be very careful when dealing with opposition. Because God be, might be using the opposition in order to fulfill his purpose. Do you understand? Okay, good. So verse 15, Then he numbered the young men of the princes of the provinces, and there were 232 and after then he numbered all the people, the children of Israel, and there were being 7,000. Remember earlier, when Ahab begins to say, I'm alone in the land, I have no one to help me. God says to him, I know 7,000 who have not kissed the hand of Baal. In other words, what we see in perspective about the problems and difficulties of this world and our personal ministry, who we are, has nothing to do with uh, how God sees it and fulfills His purpose using even the unbeliever in order to bring salvation to thousands. And they went out at noon, but Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk in the pavilion, he and his kings, 32 kings. So God prepares 32 princes against 32 kings and 7,000 to evade and to, and, to, and to respond to the accusation and the war trapped of Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. And the young men of the princes of the province went out first, and Ben-Hadad sent out, and they told him, saying, There are men come, come out of Samaria. And he said, Whether they be come out for peace, take them alive. Whether they be come out for war, Take him alive. Means don't kill anybody. And so this young man and the princes of the provinces from Israel came out of the city, and the army which followed them, such as it was, which was 7,000. And they killed every one of his men, and Syrians fled. And Israel pursued them. And Ben-Hadad the king of Syria escaped on a horse with the horsemen. So Ben-Hadad loses the battle very easily. For God had prophesied that God would prevail and give Ahab victory. Now listen to me. Uh, Ahab is the bad guy here. But God gave him victory. Listen to me. And the king of Israel went out and smote the horses and chariots and killed the Syrians with a great slaughter. Of course, all of this, the way it's done, the power, the movement, is the hand of God. When the hand of God is involved, you seem to put your mind as to what man is doing. When in fact, God is the one behind the scenes doing all of it. Now, 
This unknown prophet now comes into the scene. It's in verse 22. And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said unto him, Who is the king of Israel? Ahab. Go, strengthen yourself, and mark, and see what you do. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come back against you. That's just an unbelievable way of uh, being a king that don't quite believe anything. But notice that Ahab saw the slaughter of 450 prophets of Baal, Mount Carmel. So even though he is related to, uh, to Jezebel, there's something about Ahab that has already been convinced that he is dealing with the king of kings and lord of lords. So when you see someone that is the opposition, but they're confused, you never condemn them. For God will do through them His purpose. You should pray for them. You should minister to them. You should not criticize them. You should not persecute them. Because God is in charge. Who are you to judge? Mm -mm. Who am I to judge? You see, we place judgments on people because of their sins, when in fact we have the same sins as they do. And the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, Their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore they were stronger than we. But let us fight again them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. So, so really, Behadad's generals recognized that in, in, the, in, the, in the mountains, in the trees... They, they, they lost because they didn't know how to battle there. But they referred to the God of Israel, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, as the God of the hills. So you, you, you've, got to, you've got to learn from this experience of seeing what God is doing. Because the opposition has no knowledge of the God of Abraham. Now, the idea here is they fight in the valley. The God of Israel will be helpless. So they think. You see, strategy in warfare is to be able to hear the voice of God ahead of the voice of the enemy. Because if you live according to what the enemy thinks, you never succeed. They say that the God of the hills is, is why they lost. But they tagged the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, as someone that does better in the mountaintop. Let's get them on the plane and see if from men to man we can do it. Now listen to this. Unredeemed man has no idea of who God is or what he is, God is like. Unredeemed men have no idea of who God is and how He operates. And so, my lesson to me is simply this. I need to find a way to where I will not judge that which is in front of me, even though it's, they're completely out of the balance, the reason, the effectiveness, the empowerment, the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And you've got to sort of do that. But automatically, we simply play the game. The God of the hills won the battle. Well, you don't deal with the God of Abraham as the God of the hills. 
That's the unredeemed mentality. The unredeemed mentality causes you to, to diminish the presence of God because the presence of the enemy overshadows you, overwhelms you. And you have to back up. Turn to the Lord and say, Father, what is it you are doing? So I can hear you. I'm hearing them totally, Lord. Show me what you're saying. Well, God says nothing here. All that God said was through the prophet. And he said, Strengthen yourself, Ahab, and Mark, and see what you do. What do you mean by that? Watch what you say. Watch what you do. Because behind the scenes, God is working powerful movement. And while you don't understand, you can't hear it. But you've got to know that he's doing something. If you disregard the move of God, even though you can't hear, you are playing the enemy's hand. Are you with me today? Are you hearing me, what I'm saying to you? You've got to hear the voice of God above the shattered and the clatter of the enemy. So, and do this thing. Now, this is, this is the enemy speaking here, okay? And do this thing. Take the kings away, every man out of his place, and put captains in their rooms. Put veteran military at the head of each unity, and take the kings out and the princes out. And number you an army, like the army that you have lost, horse for horse, chariot for chariot, and we will fight against them in the plain. And surely we shall be stronger than they. And they hearkened unto their voice and did so. Now that's the strategy of the enemy. Take the soft and put somebody stronger like a general in front of a prince. Take the prince out. Take the king out. And put army battered man that knows how to kill. That's the strategy. Replace weakness to strength. Now look at verse 26 because you need to mark verse 26 in your Bible, okay? A lot of these stories about uh, prophets, there are verses that you need to write it down and need to put yellow marks on it because they mean more than you think they mean. Look at verse 26. And it came to pass, I've been telling you in this Bible study, that came to pass simply means that there's a clock ticking continuously and the clock is actually an amount of time that has passed already. It could be a month, could be two months, could be three months. Now, why do I say it did happen? Because in verse 22, the man of God, the prophet of God says, Strengthen yourself, mark, and see what you do. For they will come back to fight you. So they were, Israel was warned, but there's another battle coming. It's not over yet. But rest, take it easy. Watch what you do. Now, what did the opposition did? I already told you, separate the weak out of the presence of soldiers and put generals on top of them. And it came to pass at the return of the year. Now, this is the first time that I got a date 
out of this Bible study. You know, it came to pass that out of the return of the Israel, the beginning of the year, January. Okay? But Bezadad, number the Syrians, and went up to attack, to fight against Israel. Exactly what the prophet of God had said would happen. Now, by now you must be curious, what kind of prophet is this? You know, it's not a, this, this prophet is not, a, it's not Elisha. Elisha has been separated, anointed and called by Elijah. That happened on, uh, on verse 19 of chapter 8, 19, 1919, 19, 19, the call of Elijah. Remember? But it's not him. It's not Elisha. It's a regular prophet. Somebody to serve the Lord and shut up. <laughs> That's interesting. See, you had your hands and your eyes on Elisha. You know, when he's going to show up, when he's going to... And what I'm saying to you is that when the, when the prophet of God is called, there's a moment to wait upon the elements to come together. And so God spoke to another prophet, someone... Unknown. So what, what does that mean? It means that uh, God can speak to a child and move the mountains to that child by the mouth of babies. We are empowered, renewed, and strengthened. And so, the children of Israel were numbered and were all present. And what against them? And the children were pitched before them like the little flocks of kids, a tiny army, a small tiny army uh, that looked like a bunch of children against a force of large magnitude. It says the Syrians filled the country. Their numbers were a hundred times even more. You see, the power of the prophetic here has to be dealt with and, over, and, 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 and considered. Because at a moment when there is a, uh, a debate, when there is a struggle in life, a death of a child, a situation of employment, uh, financial dealing, something that is to devastate the family, we have to be very careful not to lose perspective as to what needs to be done. And so in this moment, you have a tiny army, 100 to 1, in a large magnitude of a large army. Now, at that moment, okay, at that particular moment, when Israel sees, because the physical idea, the physical capability of the eyes to see something shakes the foundations of your soul. And that time, a man of God has spoken to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord. Now again, a man of God, it doesn't say it's the same man Probably the same word that doesn't show, doesn't tell us. So what does he say that a man of God 
pulpit, but he's not pulpit as a man of God. What is the difference between a man of God and a pulpit? It's a different, two different people. That's really the difference. So when you look at it, and you see, they're not spiritual realm, and they're not parents, and they're friends. But you see, thousands of men of God spread all over that thing you have there. If there's one God, there's going to be more. The army of God outnumbers the army of the enemy. The army of can do anything they want, but the armies of God are in complete control without any whatsoever direction only given by the Lord. So the man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, this is the Lord. So you're going to say to you what God said to me to tell you. Now remember now that this man of God is not the same. And second, he is talking to the king of Israel. And the name of the king of Israel is Israel. The Lord is the king of Israel. But he is not the king of Israel. Before I will deliver all this great only work to put into your hands, that's the Lord that I'm the Lord. So far, this is the same man.
to know that God can make a will to fall against any opposition according to His will. And Lord, I ask you this morning that we as Christians do not be lost or too intimidated by anything we hear in the media, anything we hear speaking against us, anything that is left ridiculed and, 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 and causes us to be lied uh, uh, and ridiculed. We ask you, Lord, that we bless those who persecute us, that we bless them in the name of Jesus Christ, that we speak life unto them and speak glory unto them, for they may be the purpose of God for a great victory for the Lord, even though they are unbelievers. So, Lord, help us not to any shape or form to accuse and, 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 and persecute and harass that which God is involved with. God, I just want you to give me strength so I love all the other things that have been put against me. And I appreciate them and care for them as if I was myself, God. So I'll be able to serve you all the days of my life and not to follow my predicaments or my desire in my heart. That I'll be able to be a servant of the Lord and not a servant of Ben-Hadad. In Jesus' mighty and holy name I pray and I believe. Amen. Really? 